Matthew chapter 23, I'm going to begin reading at verse 13. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you shut off the kingdom of heaven from people. For you do not enter in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense you make long prayers. Therefore you will receive greater condemnation. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you travel around on sea and land to make one proselyte. And when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. Hypocrisy. We see it everywhere, yet hardly anybody's willing to admit that they're a hypocrite. Have you ever heard someone say, the church is full of hypocrites. I don't want anything to do with the church, and I don't want anything to do with Christianity. I would have believed that to be just an excuse not to give serious consideration to Christ. I may have thought that at one time, but I've seen too many people, young people, old people, men, women, girls, boys. I've seen too many who have come to me and who have actually left the church, even left this church, because someone spoke to them or someone uh, did something that they saw which shattered their faith, which hurt them deeply and which made them think, I don't think this is real. If, if that's the way she is, if that's the way he is, then I wonder if there's anything real that's happening here. I wonder if this faith is real at all. So hypocrisy raises questions. It raises doubts. We've been talking about doubts for a couple of weeks, and it raises doubts for those who are seeking to come to Christ. It raises doubts for young believers who may not be firmly grounded in the faith. But as we'll see, it also can lead astray those who are mature in the faith. So I'd like you to turn to this chapter, Matthew 23. It's great. If hypocrisy bothers you, You'll love this chapter because it's a, maybe the angriest chapter in the whole of the Gospels where Jesus just screams against hypocrites. Matthew chapter 23. So we'll just look at what hypocrisy is from just a brief overview of Matthew 23. Why it's dangerous, not just noxious to us, but why it's dangerous to faith and then what the antidote is. What is hypocrisy? Well, you probably have heard this, but the word itself came from the classical Greek world, centuries before Jesus, actually, when it had a very innocent meaning, you might say. It, it referred to actors who wore masks. And so when they played a particular character, they would wear a mask to depict that character. And if, of course, they changed characters, they could just easily change masks. Uh, through the centuries, and by the time of Jesus, it really took on this noxious meaning, which is used in our text and many other places in the scripture. So here's just three things in a quick overview of Matthew 23. I'm going to read some verses and then I'll make a few comments about that. Verses 1 through 4, Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples. The scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses, therefore all that they tell you, do and observe, but do not do according to their deeds, for they say things and do not, do not do them. Seed of Moses means 
they speak with the authority of God's word, right? They're teachers of the truth. They explain it and they apply it. And it's natural for those who are hearing them to expect that those who are teaching God's word actually believe God's word. And it's natural to expect that those who believe God's word at least are endeavoring to follow what they're teaching. They may not be perfect, but that's their endeavor. But Jesus says, with the Pharisees, it's all talk. That's all there is. And so, in verse 16, later on in Matthew chapter 23, it says, Woe to you blind guides. It's, a, I think, a kind of a humorous expression from Jesus, isn't it? If you think of a guide who's going to take you someplace, but he's blind. He doesn't know where he's going, and he's leading you, and you don't know where you're going. It's, it's kind of a, you might say, a mark of this kind of hypocrisy is a confidence, a false confidence that I can live the way I want and nobody will know. I can talk the way I want. I can teach whatever I want. No one will know that I don't really know what I'm talking about. But hypocrisy makes us lose faith in whatever it is that they're saying. Whatever cause they're espousing, whatever message they're speaking, loses credibility when it's in the mouth of a, of a hypocrite. So, for example, a couple of years ago, there was this congressman, a fierce opponent of abortion, who spoke out many times against abortion, but then it came out that he had a mistress, and that then he was urging, these text messages said, urging his mistress to get an abortion to get himself out of trouble. That casts doubt on everybody who speaks against abortion. It cast doubt on his message on whether or not he really believed anything that he ever said. Of course, there's many examples, but the actress who went to this dinner to raise money for the poor, and it was this lavish affair, and she came in a designer dress glittering with jewels, and you think something's not quite right here. There's a hypocrisy there. Of course, the famous Hollywood producer who spoke out over and over against the sexual harassment of women and all the while, it turned out, he was himself engaging in it. There's hypocrisy. And when you see it, you don't believe the message that these men and women were conveying to us. They lose credibility. And truth is, hypocrites are everywhere. I think the examples I gave are illustration of that. They're in every organization, and so certainly there are hypocrites in the church because it's, well, it's a characteristic of fallen humanity. We all have a tendency towards that. But when we speak, even if we speak for Christ, and people see hypocrisy, they lose credibility in the message that we're sending out. So yeah, it's pastors. I think there's a special burden on pastors, elders, teachers, Sunday school teachers, leaders of all sorts in the church. If our lives are at odds with what, they, what we profess, then there's something wrong. You know, if in church we wear one mask and then we go out and wear another mask, people are not going to be listening to what we say. It's going to fuel doubt, confusion, questions in the minds of people. I think many of you have been following the news about this tragic falling of an author and leader in the Christian world who spoke all over the world. And he did great work. He taught and he encouraged those who were doubting in many, many parts of the world and in many sectors, particularly young people in colleges. But then in the last several months, 
his private life has been exposed. And at first, we're filled with disbelief. No, it can't be. That can't be true. Then we're filled with shock. And then finally, we're filled with doubts. Well, is there anything true about him? Is this falsehood characteristic of his whole life? And then, can we still hear what he had to say? Is his message all false? Are his truths, are his arguments all false? So uh, doubts just crowd in when there's some kind of hypocrisy that's revealed. So that's the first thing. They sit in the seat of Moses. They're teachers, leaders, but they're hypocrites. So here's the second thing, and all of these are closely related, but the second one is an important distinction that we have to make. That hypocrisy is purposeful. I'll just read verses 5 through 7. But they do all their deeds, notice this, to be noticed by men. For they broaden their phylacteries and lengthen the tassels of their garments. These, by the way, are things prescribed or hinted at in the, in the law. The phylacteries were uh, a hem, so it shows their piety, but they made them as long as possible. I'm sorry, the, the, those were the tassels, the phylacteries were little boxes. You know, Deuteronomy says you're, that the law of God should be on your mind or on your heart, and they wanted to physically depict that by making a little box with scripture in it. Nothing wrong, but notice why they're doing it. They do their deeds to be noticed by men. Verse 6, they love the place of honor at banquets and the chief seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces, being called rabbi by men. Notice that there's something purposeful here. So hypocrisy is not about our human weaknesses, the fact that everyone stumbles, no matter what you say about your Christian faith. It's not about those who struggle to do better, who succumb to the ordinary weaknesses of human nature. But these are those who purposely appear to be better than they really are. So first thing it says is don't jump to conclusions. If you think someone's a hypocrite, dig in a little bit bit because it may take a while to glimpse what's on the inside. If you say, oh, she's a hypocrite. I'm going to have nothing to do with her. Well, get to know her. You may see that this is someone who's very much aware of her weaknesses. Maybe she longs for your prayers and longs for your encouragement to help her to be better. Maybe at home she weeps before God, asks, confesses her sin, and knows that what she is doing is not living up to God's word. In fact, she may be appalled if you thought that she was actually living up to God's word. She might detail all the ways in which she has fallen. So, yes, there are hypocrites in the church, but what I'm saying is there may be fewer than you think. Because hypocrisy is something purposeful. It takes time to discover if they are really hypocrites. Hypocrisy is purposeful. It's a pretense here of being holy and honorable and loving with a goal to gain respect and honor from others. That's what Jesus says. Not to really be that way, but to have people think you're that way. So it's staged. You know, you might call it religious theater. Jesus put it in a very colorful way in Matthew chapter 6, verse 2. He says, when you give to the needy, Sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, 
that they may be praised by others. Imagine that. Look at this check I'm giving. Look at the size of that thing. Yeah, that's how I give. That's the kind of person I am. And they're doing it for the praise of others. It's purposeful hypocrisy. Look at how pious I am. But at, at, at home, in private, the mask comes off. You know, when they're with their family, when they're with other people, the mask comes off. And so you wonder if there's anything that they do that you can really trust. Because if you see them with the mask off, you wonder if anything they ever said to you, anything they ever represented themselves to be is true. One man said that he grew up in church and you know, he had these men who taught him Sunday school and they were leaders in the church and, and they, they, they led service and they were you know, full of hallelujahs and amens. They were very godly men. And he says he came to a work day once as a boy and they were taking a little break and all the men were kind of sitting under a tree somewhere and as he approached them, he was appalled by their language. He says it was just full of swear words and off-color jokes. And he says he started to think, so which is the real? Is, is what's happening on Sundays just fake? A kind of a, a theater that they put on to look pious and then these are the real men? It creates doubts, doesn't it? It creates questions in us. And here's the last thing. There's no integrity. Verse 25 I'll just read a couple verses. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside they're full of robbery and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and of the dish, so that the outside of it may become clean also. Woe to you, scribes and hypocrites, for you're like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. No integrity. You know, the word integrity, integral, comes from being one, harmony. There's no division. There's wholeness. But here, Jesus is saying, there's no integrity. The outside and the inside don't match. They have nothing to do with each other. It's not just they try and they fail to live up to moral standards or spiritual truths that they're proclaiming. But you notice the image, it's, it's like night and day. What they say has nothing to do with what they do. So so on the outside, it's beauty and serenity, like in a cemetery. But inside, it's the rotting of dead bones. The one has nothing to do with the other. On Sunday, there's sweet words of praise and wonderful prayers. But man, watch out if you cut them off on the road on Monday. You know, it's going to be completely different. Hallelujahs and amens on Sunday, but what their colleagues co-workers, what their employees hear Monday through Friday is something completely different. No integrity. And when these others hear you, hear those who are hypocrites like this talk about Jesus, they now wonder if what they're seeing on Monday through Friday is true. If that's just another mask or which is real. Maybe the Sunday is a mask. Maybe everything you say about Christ, they would say, is not true. So it produces doubts. So this is an idea of what Jesus had in mind when he talked about hypocrites. You can see he's angry about it. He's bothered by it. And so secondly, what I've already hinted at is that, that hypocrisy is dangerous. It's not just noxious. It's not something that makes us angry only, but it's something that endangers faith for other people. 
Let me read a few more verses. Verse 13. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you shut off the kingdom of heaven from people, for you do not enter in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. It's as though in these three verses, Jesus' sermon reaches a crescendo. I think his voice must have just raised. He was, well, he was shouting at this point, hypocrite, 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 he says. He mentions it over and over again. There's great danger because those whom God loves are being kept out of the kingdom, this verse says, by what you do. Your hypocrisy is shutting the door to the kingdom for other people. Verse 14, by the way, you'll notice uh, it's either missing or in the margin in some of your versions or it's in parentheses in the New American Standard because some manuscripts don't have it. But I, I might just mention it's in the other synoptics. It's in Mark 12 and in Luke chapter 20. But here's what it says. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you devour widows' houses and for a pretense you make long prayers. Therefore, you will receive greater condemnation. So beautiful prayers are being said. Oh, Lord, thank you for this widow's contribution. And she's saying, contribution? I didn't know I was doing that. Thank you that she's about to sign this deed over to us for a good cause. And as they're saying these prayers, they're taking her house away. They're taking her property away. Now, when the widow's eyes are open, what do you think that'll do to her faith? And what will it do to the faith of all those who are watching this drama unfold? It keeps people from the kingdom, you see. And then verse 15, they're missionaries. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you travel around on sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. They want to spread the knowledge of the true God to other people. But there's no life-giving message in them. You see, inside of them is just rotting bones. They're like tombs. And so when they make a proselyte, it says you make them twice as much a child of hell as you yourself are. Wow. Strong language. I remember I quoted this once to somebody and uh, she said, I don't think Jesus would ever say anything like that. I had to actually show her, look, it's right there. It's in the Bible. He talks like that because he's that angry. Hypocrites go on missions trips. And hypocrites destroy lives when they go on missions trips. So Jesus hates hypocrisy because of what it does to those with tender faith. It destroys faith. It keeps people from entering the kingdom of God. So that's what it's saying here. This is actually the issue that I began with, isn't it? Oh, there's so much hypocrisy in the church. I don't want to have anything to do with Christianity well, in a way, that's what Jesus is talking about because hypocrisy does have that influence. It does have the power to keep people out of the kingdom. And that is not a small matter. That's serious business. So when skeptics, when unbelievers, when those who are seekers say the church is full of, of hypocrites, we should have a good answer. Why can I believe the message they give? We should have an answer. Mahatma Gandhi who led India to independence in the middle of the 20th century, was asked once in an interview about what he thought about Christians. This is part of what he said. Of course, a Brahmin, a Hindu, uh, not a Christian, he said, I like your Christ, but not your Christianity. The Christians above all others are seeking their after wealth. 
They come along among aliens to exploit them for their own good and cheat them to do so. Their prosperity is far more essential to them than the life, liberty, and happiness of others. Yes, we can quibble. We can argue with him. But you see, the point is that what he saw, whether what he saw was accurate or not, is anti-gospel. It undoes what the Spirit of God is doing in spreading the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ. So I wonder if you're battling doubts today. Maybe because you think the way Gandhi was thinking. Maybe you think you've seen too many Christians that are hypocritical. My, my aim in this series is not really to answer the kinds of, uh, to give the kinds of answers that skeptics might find acceptable to all these questions I'm dealing with, but particularly to deal with Christians, because I think Christians also have these doubts. As I said in the beginning, I've seen it. Christians also find their faith sometimes in jeopardy because of the hypocrisy of other Christians. Now, you may doubt that. Really? Could Christians, could solid Christians ever be carried away by hypocrisy? Well, let me tell you about a stellar Christian, a strong, mature man. In fact, he was a missionary. Can I tell you how he was described in the scriptures? He says he was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and faith. His name was Barnabas. In fact, he was a partner with Paul in the missionary journey that they went on, and he knew the gospel. He, knew, he understood all these details. In fact, when, he, when they went around to all these places that didn't know about the true God, he was excited to, tell, to bring them news about what God was like. God's not like the one that you fear, the ones who you run away from, the ones you don't know. Let me tell you what the true God is like. Uh, even though we've offended him, he doesn't want to punish us. In fact, he's willing to absorb the pain and the shame and the cost of our sins, and that's what the cross of Jesus Christ is. And by absorbing it in himself, he offers peace between you and him. He, he understood that completely. But then he was having supper. It was with another apostle, Peter. And Peter understood the truths of the gospel completely. For example, Peter understood completely that our spiritual standing before God has nothing to do with what we eat. You know, whether we eat lamb or a hot dog doesn't affect what's happening spiritually. In other words, you don't have to eat kosher. In Acts chapter 11, Peter had this vision. God showed him this, that you can eat with Gentiles, you can eat with Jews, you can eat Gentile food, you can eat Jewish food. It doesn't matter. I accept you because of what I've done for you in Christ Jesus. That's what matters. So Barnabas and Peter were eating and some guests came from Jerusalem. At that time, the majority of the church was Jewish. So these were Jewish Christians. I guess you could say they were more conservative. They hadn't quite understood what God had said to Peter. It hadn't sunk in. They hadn't understood what Jesus had taught in Mark chapter 7, when he said the same thing, that food is not what makes us clean or unclean. And so when Peter saw them, Oh, he wanted to appear good before them. And it says Peter and his friends wanted to be acceptable to these conservative Jewish Christians who came up from Jerusalem. And so what did they do? Well, they said, we're not going to eat with the Gentiles anymore. We're not going to eat that. Oh, no, no, no. We don't do that. We eat kosher. So they sat at a separate table and ate separately with the Jews. 
Now, here's what it says. Galatians chapter 2, verse 13. Barnabas, this giant of a spiritual man. It says, even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. Even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. It happens. See, the lives of other Christians affect you. Your lives affect me. Hypocrisy in the church affects other Christians. Whether they're seekers, whether they're young believers, whether they're strong in the faith. So if a spiritual giant like Barnabas can be led away by hypocrisy, it's, it's at least understandable that hypocrisy would, uh, could undermine anyone's faith. It's dangerous, you see. And that's what Jesus is saying in these verses which I just read. It's not just something that is noxious to us, but it's dangerous to our faith. So let me talk lastly then about the antidote. Maybe I should call it some possible antidotes to hypocrisy, at least as it seeks to poison our faith. And I'm going to just talk about two things. They have to do with where our attention has to be. Two places where our attention has to be. If you find yourself doubting and wondering because of the hypocrisy of others whether Christianity is true or not. First, we have to beware. Beware. That is, we have to be conscious of how people view us. The truth is, as you look at the statistics, most people become Christians because of other Christians. Yeah, it could be radio, television, books. All that is there. Church, yeah, that's there too. But most people become Christians because they see something in other Christians that's real, authentic, and they're curious. They want, to ask, they want it. They want to ask questions about it. But if what they see in other Christians is a mask that can be taken off or put on at will, depending on what they want to do, then they begin to think, well, maybe the whole church is full of hypocrites. Maybe there is nothing authentic here at all. So here's what Jesus said. This is his warning. It's in Luke chapter 12, the first couple verses. He says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Now you understand what leaven is. It's yeast. You put a little bit in, not a lot, you put a little bit in and it grows until the whole dough is filled with the effects of the yeast. He says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. He says, all masks will one day be removed. So here's the first antidote. Let's throw away our masks. Let's quit pretending that we're perfect. Let's admit that we're sinners, that we stumble, that we fall, and that what happens on the outside is a reflection of what's on the inside. Let's admit that we're saved by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that we're being saved by the grace of Jesus Christ day by day, that we need him for every step we take. I think our friends, our family, our neighbors have to know this about ourselves as clearly as they know our witness to being Christians, as clearly as they know our witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. Even if that makes them think less of us, 
I would say, especially if that makes them think less of us. Because as we've seen, one of the great lures of hypocrisy, one of the great dangers of hypocrisy is that it comes from a longing to appear better than we really are. So in humility, let's confess who we really are. Sinners saved by grace. Of course, some will still see us as hypocrites because they'll see us stumble, they'll see us use words we shouldn't use and say and do things that we shouldn't, but give it time. As they look deeper and deeper into us, they'll know that when we sing songs like Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound That Saved a Wretch Like Me, we're not just singing sentimental words like everyone else. We're singing about something that we live by every day. The grace that was shed for us on the cross of Jesus is like oxygen for our souls. We can't live without it. We need forgiveness, washing, cleansing every day. So I think that's the first antidote, is that kind of honest, truthful humility, which we all know to be true, right? We know that Christ died for us, and that's our only hope day by day. Here's the second thing, though, and I think in some ways this is even more important than the first. Something that Gandhi didn't realize, and maybe others who criticize the church don't realize, that our call to them is not for them to follow Christians, but to follow Jesus. We're not telling them to look at Christians. Everything about us is asking them to direct their attention to Jesus. If you look at any Christian, you'll find faults. Any Christian. There's these deep fissures, fractures, fault lines. There's sins, there's weaknesses everywhere. But there's one that you can examine as deeply as you want. You can peel off layer after layer and look deeper and deeper into him and you'll never find a single fault. And that's Jesus Christ. John, the apostle, walked with Jesus for three years. He observed him, he watched him, he listened to his teaching. He proclaimed in John's gospel that that Jesus was God incarnate, the creator of heaven and earth. There was nothing made that was made except that it was made by Jesus Christ. And then here's what he said about the truth about God. Jesus was God incarnate, but he said in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. No matter how much you search in the character of Jesus, you'll never find a, a, a strain of darkness anywhere. There's no hypocrisy. So are there hypocrites in the church? Yeah, there are hypocrites in the church. And the reason is because it's a hospital. <laughs> and hypocrisy is a dangerous, noxious disease. And here is where we find the great physician, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the church, if you want to know the truth, the church attracts hypocrites. It attracts those who want healing. It attracts those who hate hypocrisy. Not those who are free of hypocrisy, notice, that's not what I'm saying, but those who hate hypocrisy, who want to be free of it. So they've come to the hospital where the great physician is at work. That's what Jesus once said to a group of hypocrites who thought they were not hypocrites. They thought everybody else maybe was a hypocrite, but they weren't hypocrites. And he said, it's not those who are well who need a physician, 
but those who are sick. That's what church is. That's why we welcome you here. We're here for Jesus' healing. If you're troubled by doubts because of the hypocrisy you've seen in Christians, I, I first of all want to say I'm very sorry for that. It's not what Jesus intends us as his people to be. So pray for us. But secondly, I invite you to come and taste the Lord Jesus Christ. Not Christians, but the one that we also are longing to know better. Because he's the one who can heal all our ills. He's the one that can answer our doubts. And he's the one that's true, through and through. Amen. Lord Jesus, I do love this expression that John wrote, that in you there is no darkness at all. The more we know, the more we see of your glory. The more we know of you, the more trustworthy you become. The more we experience your love, the more reliable it becomes in our lives. And we pray that for all of ourselves, Lord, that we may grow in our knowledge, in our knowledge of the grace and truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. I think for uh, many of us, hypocrisy is a defense mechanism. Uh, we hide ourselves because we think if others really knew who we were, they wouldn't accept us. You know, if they really knew who we were, they wouldn't respect us, they wouldn't love us, they wouldn't welcome us. So we hide ourselves by wearing a mask. We want to be appearing better than what we really are. But, but here's, here's the secret to breaking the grip of hypocrisy. Uh, in Jesus, we find one who already knows everything that we are. He knows everything about you. And yet he loves you. And yet he welcomes you. He calls you his brother, his sister. And he welcomes you into his family. So that's my benediction to you. May you experience, may you experience this great freedom that comes from knowing the deep, enduring love of God for you in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.